Hello and welcome to another episode of Kids Arts. I'm Eddie Hawkswood. Kids Arts is a podcast designed for you, the parents, to help navigate your creative children through the whole process. It's part of the Blue Lake Drive network. If you go to www.bluelakedrive.com, click on it, and you'll find access to a lot of content that we think will help you out. Joining me today is a wonderful man. Uh, his name is Colin Giles. He comes to us from Vancouver, British Columbia, where he is the head of animation at the Vancouver Film School. I visited the campus there. We're going to talk about it a little bit later on. But first, welcome, Colin. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, Eddie. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Yes, you are going to uh, do wonderful things for a lot of parents over the next few minutes. Uh, first, Colin, uh, explain to parents the creative process you went through as a child and in your formative teenage years that led you to a, a successful career in animation? What did you start out as? A musician, a writer? Tell us. Well, I think it started quite young, you know, as, as, a, as most young children, um, having access to just painting and drawing and just kind of using my imagination. Uh, my parents definitely supported my uh, Lego habit as, as a young man. So I think I think just having time to be creative. Um, we moved a lot when I was young, so I kind of maybe got a little bit introverted because of that. Um, and then we settled in northern Alberta um, on an acreage. Uh, so I, I didn't necessarily have the corner store or the comic book store at my uh, right at my fingertips. Um, we only had three channels. You know, I watched a lot of CBC, a lot of the raccoons, um, and, and obviously the Sunday night, uh, wonderful world of Disney became kind of a, a warm blanket for our family. Um, and I think that was the first, uh, you know, if I'm aware of it now, it was the first kind of, uh, seed that was planted in the idea that what I was kind of having fun with creatively on my own actually was kind of, a, a something that I could attach myself to permanently. Uh, I would say around grade seven um i i took my art class as all of us did but i had a really amazing art teacher her name was mrs fine and she was about four foot five um but had the 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 energy of the tasmanian devil and was just really passionate about art and i had done some drawing and had kind of won some drawing contests as a kid and i think i had a little bit of confidence in myself and did some work and and i think my art teacher mrs fine really gravitated towards my passion for it, which was kind of at that point organic. Um, and I remember this is probably the most defining moment in my art career uh, was at the parent teacher interviews, they stopped by Mrs. Fine's desk and Mrs. Fine said, you know, Colin's got an aptitude for this and a passion for it. And although he may never be rich, he will always be happy if you support him in this artistic journey. Cause I think he has, a gift and it's it's kind of embarrassing for me to say that of course um but i think my parents eyes were opened and because of that they really did support my artistic journey and and i i kind of splintered into two ways of expressing that there was obviously the art side of it through drawing and painting and uh at that time kind of in the early 90s late 80s obviously there's a lot of traditional art still pottery and painting and charcoal oil painting, that type of thing. Um, and I did, I did start to come out of my skin a little bit and join some drama clubs in the drama league at school and uh, really got heavily involved in that too. And I think between the traditional art and the acting, it really allowed me to build confidence in, in expressing myself. 
around like high school years, I think my parents realized that um, I was certainly wasn't going to be an engineer like my dad. Uh, and, and, but I had this aptitude for art and the, an interest in graphic design was kind of an obvious connection where it was like, well, maybe I could turn this into a career. You know, growing up in Northern Alberta, most of my friends were going off to trade school or, or, uh, you know, moving up North to Fort McMurray and that type of thing. So I kind of felt like an outsider, but I think that actually added a little bit of specialness to what I was going through. And I had a couple of other art teachers that were very supportive. So I made the decision that, uh, you know, in, in late in high school that I was going to have to leave Northern Alberta and come to somewhere in, else in Canada to study um, the arts. And I, around that time, our, my family went down to Disney World in Florida. And at the time there was a, an animation studio that was in um, full function there at the uh, theme park. And there was a tour and I think that was the, the second most seminal moment for me and my family, which was, oh, I really love animation. And there's people that get paid to draw every day to produce this animation. That's where I want to go. That's that. It just made it was like a thunderclap. It just made so much sense. And I think my parents realized it. Um, yeah. And we're, and we're I was very lucky that they were supportive of it. And I had uh, some scholarship opportunities, which allowed, you know, the financial idea of moving to Vancouver Um where I went to Emily Carr, I, I got accepted into Carr, which was a, a good foundation uh, sort of introduction to art again for me, and and just learning how to learn as an adult, learning how to live on my own, and just become a, you know, just rich, well mature enough as as I possibly <laughs> could. Uh, and then ended up going to Capilano College. It was it was called at the at the time. Now it's a university to study commercial animation there. Um, and then yeah, the, essentially the rest is history. I. I was lucky enough to do a job shadow outside of the school there and got my first job working for Disney Interactive. Uh, and actually one of the first jobs I got to do was draw the legacy characters from The Lion King. And 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 that was it. It almost seems kind of inevitable, you know, in a lot of ways. And I think that inevitability came out of the that early stage of my childhood where, uh, yeah, my parents were very supportive. And because I think my teachers were supportive, I had this community of, of just openness and willingness to allow me to, to kind of express that in, in, in an environment where that was very much not what was expected of me, um, where it was very much about engineering or trade schools or welding or farming or, you know, maybe even like law or, or, or medicine where, you know, that, those are the traditional kind of pathways. Um, and, and, you know, certainly if you, if you fast forward 25 years now, um, and I'm now working with young people, both in high school and in college, I realize now that their journey is very, very different than mine. They're much more exposed and much more aware of the fact that this is a, this is an industry and that it's a, a, a le legitimate way to make a living. So because I didn't have that, I feel like it was important for me to have that support. Um, I, and looking back on it now, I can, I can easily pinpoint all of the different influences that came up, um, you know, watching E.T., Star Wars, of course, um, especially, you know, a, a person of my age that was very much... Part of the, the Hound, show. Lady and the Tramp, exactly. um, Nokia, um, and then we had the other animations come out. You, you see something uh, out of the blue, uh, like the triplets of Belleville. You're just like, what, where? What? there's more, there's new... Uh, but that's all the time we have. Thank you. No, I'm just kidding. You gave the best answer of any guest I've had because I almost want to go right into a rapid fire thing with you. 
How yeah. good are your grades? Because some parents put too much emphasis on grades at the outset, because I can tell your love of what you were doing far exceeds any numerical value on a sheet. How did you do uh, in art compared to uh, phys ed and science, say, for instance? Phys ed was, was a, <laughs> I'm not the most sporting person. Um, I was, uh, I was involved in extracurricular activities as well, uh, but mostly like curling and horse riding. So, sure. uh, I, was, <laughs> I was able to kind of, uh, you know, develop a, a pathway through high school specifically where I took advanced arts. I right. took any additional arts classes, industrial arts so that I could photography and screen printing. Um, and yeah, my aptitude for those was, was, a, was off the charts. Yeah. And that allowed my my grade point average to kind of average out. I, I, I was not into the sciences as... as so it was, it was cut and dry from the outset from when Mrs. Fine had you that uh, your your marks in that realm, which, okay, so parents, the lesson as always, if they are showing a love of it and getting high grades, let's encourage that. Okay, you have, as you've chronicled, uh, had a terrific arc of things thus far. This is also important for parents. Was there ever any point where self-doubt crept in or you had some uh, you know, doubts, uh, maybe desire to switch gears and pursue something else or uh, you thought about you know, just quitting and, and trying something out? I think I was naive enough to not necessarily listen to that inner inner voice that might have doubted it. I did go through a six month period where I thought being an a much music video uh, a DJ would DJ, be cool. Yeah, yeah, but that was more out of I just thought you know maybe you know it would be a good way to attract uh, the opposite sex. But you know I was a six year old boy. So I think that was the only time that I waned from it. But even that's a, a fairly creative pursuit. Uh, and that and that's born out of my my love of public speaking and now, of course, teaching. Um, but yeah, I think I think actually, to be honest with you, um, and, and maybe on a more serious note, there was definitely some doubt from the outside. Maybe some other family friends or, or other people in my orbit that were like, oh, they just didn't understand that you could that that was a legitimate way of, of directing your energy and in, in life. And um, I think, you know, I have my parents again to thank for, for just knowing and believing in, in the fact that I was self-driven and they knew that no matter what was going to happen, a, I was going to be happy. Um, but I was going to forge my own path through it and that they weren't going to have to like push me too much. I mean, there was days yeah. Take, drag you to practice and force you to, um, there's a great TV show from, uh, our era. This TV show called Murphy Brown, starring Candace Bergen, yeah. and the producer for her newscast is uh, the character is Miles, and they have a flashback episode. And Miles took a tour of the studio when he was really young, and you could tell the parents dressed him up the way that a parent would dress up a child for a recital that they don't want to perform at, and they were dragging him through this studio. And when he took his step into the live TV studio a light bulb went on. Would you say that when you were in Disney, that was your, your light bulb moment? Because if I can sort of back time the era, it was Disney and really independent stuff that was under the radar or a CBC raccoon show, Saturday morning cartoons that Hanna-Barbera were doing. You must have had, and your parents must have had a great deal of confidence that, because it may have just looked like either you're going to jump with Disney or what are we going to do? So how how was that roll of the dice for you guys? 
Yeah, that was, I mean, looking back on that day, that was like, oh, this is, this is kind of Shangri-La, like this is the ultimate. Um, but I think I was, yeah, because of my passion for it, I was also reading as much as I possibly could, you know, magazines, industry magazines, and realizing like, oh, there's a lot of other opportunity out there, television commercials. We realized quite quickly through research that Canada was actually a really great place to, to, to actually be an animator or work in the animation industry. There was Nelvana in Toronto and out here in, in, in Vancouver, Disney had set up and there was a lot of different like small independent studios. So I think there was a, there was a realization that, um, you know, this was a possibility. And then of course, as, as I graduated high school and got into college, well, then the advent of computer animation came and then it, then it boomed. Right. So I think I kind of timed it just right where, um, yes. The, the, the logistical side of it was very obvious. Um, and yeah, I think, I think it was very easy to answer any doubts that would, would come into place. Like if this was the right thing to do, it just, there was enough of it going and it was so in our faces that it was, it was a legitimate choice to make. Yeah. Okay. So not every parent can afford a Disney vacation. <laughs> if you were to, if you were to sit down with parents or to pass something along to them, what would you say is the best environment to create or um, show of support you can lend to their child who is showing an aptitude for uh, visual arts creativity? I think that's a great question. And I think, you know, outside of like any access to high-end equipment or yeah, being exposed to like a, a Hollywood style studio or anything like that. I honestly think one of the things that, that, you know, this is maybe on a subconscious level almost is just having the freedom and the, and the openness to be able to make some art and then show it to my parents or friends and just get feedback on it in a, in a serious way where they weren't just like, Oh, that's cute that you like to draw or you're doodling in the side of your math book. It was like, Oh, let's, let's, let's support you by also asking me questions and challenging me. Um, it, to, to discover things. And I think having a curiosity for life and, and if, if you're a parent and your child is showing an aptitude for music or photography or even the computer, like a lot of, a lot of kids obviously nowadays are playing video games, you know, it's super accessible. And I would say at least half of the college students that I teach or in our school are very, very fluent in, in gaming. And in a lot of ways, it's, it seems like it can be like a, a dangerous world, but um, it is a language, you know, and it, and it's a, it's a culture. Um, and I think just having an open dialogue with your child about the things that they're passionate about and not, and, and even if you don't know much about it, asking them questions about it and getting them to explain it to you and just, and just listening is such a huge part of it. You know, I, I meet a lot of prospective students here at the school and I'll meet their parents and, and I kind of like, I'll ask the parents more questions than the student because the student is already into it. They know it they want yeah they're there and i can see they're there right there they were there months ago years ago but you know sometimes the parents will just are looking for that exact advice like how can i support my child in this and it's and it's not about buying all this fancy equipment um it's just about accessibility to conversation i think it's about taking them seriously um and just discovering along with them what this means to them and you know they may find their own path and they may veer away from it or maybe they'll become a you know, a, a, a master cellist, you, you just never right. know. And I think there's, such a, there's such a, 
an, an amazing ability for a young person to discover multiple things at the same time um, that, yeah, I think sometimes it's kind of like off-putting to like, well, how far do we go with this? And I think it's just go, go as far as your child will take themselves in it because if they're self-driven, um, you can just go along for the ride and just be there to be that support. Okay. Now talking about uh, how far to go, again, your, your story has been um, the almost ideal one. And when I was researching before our conversation, I see that you've worked for Disney, you've worked for Kellogg's and uh, parents would think that, Oh, Colin is, is probably, you know, always drawing puppy dogs or happily happy ever after stories, but there has to be, especially in anyone's formative years, a rebellious stage. Did you ever bring forth any artwork to your parents that maybe gave them pause for concern, like it was a rebellious thing, you drew something too edgy, perhaps too violent, too um, racy. And all I want to know is how can parents react to when their kids start to push the limits a little bit? That's a great question. I I think, I I mean, I grew up in a a pretty conservative household, so I was always kind of conservative myself in, in my art and what I liked. My, one of my biggest influences was, was Calvin and Hobbes. The, oh, the best. You know, amazing, right? So I think my, my sense of humor and my artistic uh, sort of voice was driven by that. I, I, I have been more of a rebel as an adult. I've worked on some very adult uh, productions, things that, yeah, my parents just wouldn't be interested in watching. And so maybe that rebellious stage came out uh, later on. But what later. I have, yeah, a little bit later. But what I have found with with other students' experiences is it's probably much like any sort of situation. uh, If you can create a safe environment of sharing, then I find that that rebelliousness kind of like dissipates. You know, if you set up all these barriers and say, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, your child is much more likely to try not to, you know, or, or break those rules in a sense. So I found because I was like open to kind of exploring all of it, I didn't really find a rebellious nature because I felt safe. Um, I, I think the only thing that maybe was a red flag as I got a little bit older was, of course, life drawing. And now I'm drawing nude models, which was, you know, for my parents and maybe people that we knew was like, whoa, that's, that's, uh, that's pretty out there. But I think knowing that it was driven by an artistic pursuit, it became, you know, you could kind of celebrate the beauty of the human body in that sense. So that was maybe the only time that I got a little bit of like, wariness about about what that might be but um and again as as a pretty naive young guy that was that was new to me as well but um yeah i think i think it's really just about again just making it safe for discussion we do that at the school where i really promote our students to find their own voice and if they have a story within them you know whatever it might be this is the safe space to do it and we can guide them through that and that way that rebelliousness is really born out of fear you know i've found in over my sort of last couple decades is if if that's a concern um, I just have those open conversations, right? It, there's, there's nothing worse than maybe sitting downstairs and your child's upstairs and you're thinking, I wonder what game they're playing. I hope it's not too violent or I hope they're not getting weird ideas. Um, but I think the moment you just ask questions, it dissipates that pressure and that fear of what, it, of, of the unknown. And, and the more you can have that conversation, um, the, the less it seems scary and, and the less you're maybe even going to be involved in that kind of stuff. Very good. Very, very good. Um, what was the best feedback 
you ever received. I'll I'll backtrack just a bit. You said you won a couple drawing contests in grade school. Uh, you, You obviously actively pursued it more at the secondary school level. But when you finally commit to a college and, and graduate when you go to this, like it's real life, you know, you get hired based on how well you sketch, perform, draw, act, sing, or you don't get the job. You don't book the gig. Yeah. What was the best uh, reaction to anything you produced that somebody in, a, in a, a, a role of authority or a position of hiring uh, or, or evaluating gave you? I can. I, I have a very specific memory of this moment. Um, I was working uh, on a Disney interactive production, and it was a scene of Donald Duck. And I I've heard of him. Into- yeah, yeah, he's he's been around. <laughs> um, and the director on the project, who had been mentoring me for a couple of years up to that point, saw you know my my rough version of it, and I, I remember he rolled back his chair and he just looked me in the eye and he said, "That's your best work." And then he also followed that up with, this is now your bar. And I expect this from you every day. And it was the most amazing, like, like lift me up and kind of cut me to the, like, just just like, basically he was saying, you're good at this and you should have the confidence now to produce this quality of work. And also don't rest on your laurels. Like I gave you an amazing compliment, but take this seriously. Um, And I've kept that in my head every single day. Um, you know, it was a really important moment for me because I felt like a professional. Um, I felt like I was being spoken to as a peer. Um, yeah. And it, and it, drew, it really pushed me. It, it challenged me from, from that moment on to never let, to, to always take this seriously, even though, you know, it's a pretty lucky thing to be able to draw cartoons every day and get paid for it. But um, it's, it's, a, it was more about take yourself seriously, you right. know, as, as a person. And, and I matured that day, I think. Yes, I. Uh, as soon as you told that story, I was whisked back, m- much like the character Ego in Ratatouille when he tastes, when he tastes the Ratatouille at the restaurant. He, he went back to his childhood. I was back in English two sixty five, where the finest English prof I ever had, Edward Lobb, wrapped up his final uh, lecture by saying, "Going forward, if people in the professional world don't expect the best from you." they are insulting you. Right. And right. Um, it, it's like, hey, you're sitting at the grown-up table for Thanksgiving now. Use the right fork, yeah. use the right knife. Uh, so that's, that's good to admit that even in your professional life, you didn't feel as grown-up yet as you would become until that mentor took it upon themselves to pull back the curtain to you know, take back the velvet rope and let you into the the club, the society, the fraternity, sorority, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Uh, very, very good. What, tell us what what you're working on these days. You said school. Well, um, yes, yeah, school. Uh, Vancouver Film School. We we moved online, uh, obviously, back in March, and it's September now, and we've, we've been kind of moving and developing a new way of doing that. Obviously, it's now looking fairly. Uh, long term in the sense that we'll probably be working like this for the next year, year and a half, maybe uh, until we can get back to a new sense of, of normal. So I've been spending a lot of time, you know, supporting our staff and students and trying to get, you know, the, the word out that the school is still functioning and that we can still provide an amazing education. And I've been excited that the students have been producing the same quality of work uh, that we always have. And um, yeah, now I'm starting to 
uh, along with a few other instructors, uh, bring in some of our own projects into our studio so we can direct students through them. I think a lot of students are interested in, in not directing their own, but also working with others. So uh, I'm directing uh, a short film using some amazing new technology and our partnership with our motion capture uh, company that, that works with Vancouver Film School. Their name is Beyond Capture. So I'm looking at just learning new things. Like, you know, my the, the, the only way I can become a great teacher is to become a great student. And, uh, you know, I've been doing this for for 20 some years and, and I feel like, you know, this is an opportune time for me with all the tools at my exposure, expo, ex, you know, at, at my feet. Disposal, yeah. yeah, disposal for to, to take advantage of that and, and really help students. Um, I have been, you know, working freelance for the last few years as well, but I think, yeah, I think it's time to be maybe a little bit more selfish in expressing my own artistic endeavor, just like I was when I was a kid, right? So, um, Let's take you back yeah, to those student days. If you are a student who wants to get into what it is you're doing, I mean, you have to to apply to a school. I assume, well, I know that there's still the registration, the formalities that you have to fill out. So, for parents who want their who, who want to help their children get into a school such as the Vancouver Film School, what are key elements that go into a portfolio or a display of talent? that you would hone in on and, and focus on? Yeah, that's a, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? Is that's really what we're looking at is, you know, obviously students that come to our school need to have a high school diploma. But as you mentioned earlier, we're not going to go through your report card with a fine tooth comb. What we are going to want to do is get to know these students as artistic professionals, or at least fledgling artistic professionals. So when I look at portfolios, I, I, I like to see a variety of work, whether and it's really just based on whatever prospective student has access to, you know, is it um, painting or drawing or sculpture or photography? I mean, most people nowadays have a camera, an amazing camera right in their pocket. So I always tell students to take pictures, you know, and just, just find inspiration, uh, become observers and discoverers of the world. Um, and just the, I, I always recommend that students put in the work in their portfolio. We ask for about 10 pages and I like to see the majority of those pages, things that they did on their own without anybody asking them to do it. Um, you know, it's, it's easy to put in high school assignments. I love to see that. Um, but is there a piece or two that that student just went off on their own because of their own self-drive and self-passion to produce that? Those are the key pieces that I love to see. Um, and then that also helps me direct a student to the right program because we have multiple animation programs here. We have portfolio design program, we have a classical animation program, and of course we have a 3D animation and visual effects program. So there's a wide range of possibilities. Um, students also have ability to take online part-time classes with us. We have a spring break program and we have some weekend workshops and stuff that we're introducing. So um, access is a big part of it, but really it's just, um, I just want to see, I want to get to know the student themselves through their personality in their art. I, I don't like to see a checklist of things, right? It's like, what are you doing on your own? That's, that's being driven from the inside out. That's the most, that's the most important stuff. Yeah. To reassure parents, you're even saying things like you could have a photograph of them doing a monologue uh, on stage or uh, where they dressed up uh, or, or performed in a recital, something that tells their story arc and, and uh, is generated from a point of inspiration and doesn't necessarily, as you said, tick 10 boxes, such as these are uh, yeah. 10 different pictures I've taken, but maybe a short story that they've written or a photograph of um, 
a series of sketches that they've done. That's that's fantastic. Tell me, tell me uh, as as we wrap things up here, and I'll let you get on with your your time. What has you most excited about animation and the Vancouver Film School going forward, Colin? I think for me right now, now that we've kind of settled down into this new normal for the time being, that um, I, I my hair my head is clear again to look to the future, and I think what I'm most excited about is the ability for. Um, all these different tools that we have access to to start to blend together. Um, the, the world of animation is ripe for newness right now, and we're seeing it in, you know, the new Spider-Man movie that came out last year, and we're seeing it new with the possibility of straight ideas, new tools that are being combined, like, pencil and and bazillion dollar computer systems are all kind of being brought together in this new way and i think i'm just excited for for people to enter into our industry right now because the possibilities are truly limitless um and and there's never been a better time to kind of share your voice whether it's through youtube or through your website or working on a multi-million dollar television show there's just a lot of exciting projects and a lot of exciting possibilities so um that makes me excited to be a teacher right now because you know, the, the world is their oyster at this point. It truly is. Um, before I uh, wrap things up, there has to be, and uh, I, I, I would bet a lot of money on this, there has to be a piece of art that your parents, your mom, they saved from their youth and they have it on display somewhere. Tell us, one, is that in fact true? And two, what is it? Yes, I have. I drew a tiger face in pencil crayon it was highly detailed and it is currently framed and hanging in my parents house i probably completed that in 1992 1993 wow. so yeah it's uh it's still there and then for myself i actually have a production drawing uh from disney interactive i i was lucky enough to be paid to, to animate mickey mouse and that's just like kind of the 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 gold standard for any animator so that's hanging in my office right now a, a production drawing that i was able to produce of of mickey mouse so those are the two things that kind of stick out of my head well if you have anything else that you're very proud of or you want to show off uh email it to me i'm always changing the background art a little bit <laughs> and uh, i will be happy to feature it on an upcoming pod uh down the road if if you're uh, so inclined uh, oh, that would be nice. Thank you. That'd be that'd be terrific, Colin. Uh, unless there's anything else uh, you wanted to pass along, I really appreciate your uh, your time today. Anything else you wanted to add? Well, you know, I, I I tour the country in North America doing info sessions for our school, and I meet a lot of parents. Um, and and I say to them this is that you know it might not seem on the surface that and an, a career in the entertainment arts is a logical decision, um, but it is a legitimate one, uh, and it's based on emotion. And I think that's the most special thing about this is that everything I do every day is driven from an emotional standpoint and an empathetic standpoint. And the people I work with, uh, the people I teach, there's just a, there's just, it's just amazing to be around that kind of passion. So um, that's just the kind of advice I, I give to parents in general is it is legitimate, you know, what your, what your child might be driven towards. There's, there's a future there for them. Oh yeah. You absolutely have uh, my endorsement and support in that end. Your, your child's music, your child's dance, your child's acting, drawing, sculpting, uh, all has a, a place in this society. And uh, it is as legitimate as, uh, as can be. So thanks for that endorsement. 
And likewise, yeah, appreciate this. And thank you for creating this platform. I think it's an important thing to communicate to parents, especially, especially nowadays when there's so much information out there that, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to navigate. So this is an awesome resource. It's, it's my pleasure. If ever you want to uh, come back on the show, you know how to get a hold of me. So thanks again. I want you to have a fantastic uh, semester, fantastic freelance experience. Uh, keep up the great work. We're all very proud of you. And uh, we will talk to you sometime soon. Sound good, Colin? Oh, that sounds fantastic. Thanks for your time, Eddie. Appreciate it. Stay well. Thank you. Good luck to you and all your staff and students at Vancouver Film School. I want to thank my audio engineer, DJ Frank Frenzy, who always makes my guests and I sound as good as he can. And until next time, uh, keep supporting the arts. Awesome. Thank you. Indeed. All right. Thanks, bud. That was great. Thank you, Eddie. That was awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, I will catch up with you down the road. Have a great afternoon. Awesome. Appreciate it. Thanks so much.